0: Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please?
1: Well, time's coming when we're going to have to ante up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men!
0: It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports. With the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Baez, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace.
1: Bonjour, bonsoir, K pasa, shalom, wassalamu alaikum, konishi wa namaste, good morning, good avin. welcome to Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. A lot of great things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. Across the globe, special dedication for those who are listening. Before I go on to talk about what's happening in the world of sports, if you could do me a favor, anywhere where you're listening to this podcast, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, if you could download, subscribe, subscribe, Rate and review the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast, Wendell's World of Sports. If you could do that, um, man, it would make my day and then some. Okay, let's go ahead and get right into it because um, I'm recording this on a uh, Wednesday morning. wanted to record this on a Tuesday night, but I wanted to give myself a good night's sleep. I wanted to give myself the opportunity to be really Fully recharged before I go ahead. This is going to be a podcast, y'all. Where I'm going to go an extra segment. There's so many things that I want to speak about. There's so many things that are on my mind that I want to give you to give you today. That uh, I'm going to do my best try to, to try to make this not a five hour podcast. But man, I could go all night long. You know what I'm saying? If I uh, had my druthers and if I had the will to, but I'm just going to break it down into a manageable podcast for you guys to listen to. Whether you're waiting for a plane, but whether you're on a plane. Whether you're relaxing Whether you're driving somewhere I'm going to do my best to uh, entertain you the best um, With this podcast Because I want to speak about um, The Aaron Rodgers situation Of course, him being lost for the season With a torn Achilles And, and, And this is the reason Especially with the football Especially with NFL football This is why I always say, look, I I know when you have NFL Live and I know that you have these guys who focus on football and want to make football a -a 12-month-a-year sport. I I, I know that when this schedule comes out for the teams and free agency and the draft and everything, I I know that we like to take all this stuff and then equate how a team is going to do um, the next season. So we start doing this as early as March and April when the season starts in September and we get the schedules for the NFL teams and we start sitting there trying to talk about okay now, what's going to be the over under for this team? Which team is going to win the NFC East? Which team is going to be the AFC champion? Which team is going to be improved? Which team is going to falter? I mean, we, we do this multiple times in the off seasons. We have NFL shows speaking about this in the off season. We have podcasts speaking about the NFL, talking about this. We have radio shows. Concerning the NFL talking about this. We have a show on ESPN, the Mike Greenberg Show, who does nothing but talk about NFL about 10, 11 months out of the year at the majority of the programming. And they might go into some NBA basketball during the the, um, uh, playoffs. But for the most part on that show on ESPN and ESPN shows, it's all about... NFL, 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 Dallas Cowboys, and whatever the hot topic is. This past season, it happened to be the New York Jets, right? This past uh, offseason, it happened to be the New York Jets. And we had to go day after day after day after day of Aaron Rodgers. First, Aaron Rodgers wanted to be traded. Then it was a situation where Aaron Rodgers wanted to be traded to the New York Jets. Then it was a situation where we had to wait to see if Joe Douglas and uh, Brian Goodis could get together and get a deal done where Rodgers could be traded to the New York Jets. Then we had the trade go down. And then we had to speak about, well, what does this trade mean for the New York Jets? And now for the first time, maybe since Joe Namath, the Jets have their best chance to uh, win the Super Bowl. In fact, what are the chances of the Jets winning the Super Bowl? So in between, speaking about the Dallas Cowboys, in between, speaking about Dak, Dak Prescott, in between that, it was dominated. The sports talk landscaping scene was dominated with talks of Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers is now a New York Jets. And and what does that mean for the New York Jets? How many wins do you think the New York Jets will have? How, will they be able to win the AFC East? What does that mean for the Super Bowl chances? Do you expect the New York Jets now to win the Super Bowl? Blah, 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 blah. What's going to be the win total? With Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback for the New York Jets, this team should be at least 13-4 and four or 14-3 and three or 12-5. and five. I mean, we had all of this discussion. And I was sitting up there listening to this stuff for a short moment because there is some time when the NFL season ends that there's other things that I want to talk about besides the NFL, especially when we're speaking about speculating, especially when we're speaking about guessing. I want to move on to something else, man. I want to talk about some stuff that's on the real, to reel. I want to talk about some stuff that's important. So I have no shame. Is saying that when the season schedules comes down and when we start talking about NFL football for the next season, that April or that May or that June or after the draft or after free agency or after minicamps or after OT I don't know. I'm 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 I love the fact that if you ask me right now, Wendell, who's gonna win the Super Bowl, I can tell you I have no idea. No. None I no idea. Well, is Kansas City t- is going to repeat? I don't know. Can Cincinnati get back? I don't know. Or what about now um, uh, Miami after their game after the Los Angeles chart? I don't know. What about Dallas? They look great. I don't know. What about the 49ers? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know who's going to do what. I don't know which team is going to stink out loud. I don't know which teams are going to be great. I don't know. I have no idea. Because guess what? The NFL is not played on paper. And in a sport as violent and physical At the NFL, how can you prognosticate three or four months or five months before or even six months before the season starts? How can you prognosticate a team doing anything? How can you be sure? Sure. Now, look, if you give me six figures, seven figures to go on television and sit there and talk about who's going to do what and who's going to do that. Yeah, I can go ahead and I can sing that song. Yeah, I I can dance to that tune. Yeah, I can speak that bullshit. I can do that nonsense. But I don't know. Demarcus Lawrence doesn't, I mean, excuse me, uh, uh, Demarcus, uh, who's the guy on NFL? Amina Kimes doesn't know. Demarcus Spears doesn't know. Ryan Clark doesn't know. Jim Trotter doesn't know. None of these guys know. Skip Bayless doesn't know. Shannon Sharp doesn't know. Stephen A. doesn't know. Nick Wright doesn't know. Steve Mariucci doesn't know. We don't know. Mike Greenberg doesn't know. None of these guys know. They're just going out there just basically a lot of these times speaking out the ass. Now, speaking with their experience, hey, look, being an NFL player for a multiple number of years, I can lend my experience to say that my guesses are maybe more educated, or they're a lot more educated than the person watching me, but these guys don't know because of the injury factor, because of the game itself, and because we have known that throughout the history of football that every single year there is going to be a significant injury to a player on a team that has aspirations to be much better than they were the year before. And this type of stuff happens. Now, is it is it heartbreaking in some regards? Yes. Should the New York Jets fans be crestfallen Yes, is it terrible, just as a fan of the NFL, I'm not a fan of the New York Jets, I'm not a fan of Aaron Rodgers, but does it kind of hurt me a little bit, the fact that we can't figure out the answer to the question, how good are the New York Jets going to be with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, will the Jets be able to fulfill the expectations of competing possibly winning a super bowl because Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback of the NFL because that narrative because that scenario is now gone that that give me a little bit of depression that that make did that put me down a little bit when it comes to watching NFL football regarding this NFL season well yes of course but this stuff happens Patrick Mahomes is one play away from being in a situation where Aaron Rodgers is Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, vailoa Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, all of these really, really important players who we see as marquee players, who we see as faces of the NFL, and yes, most of them, almost all of them are quarterbacks, but those who are faces of the league, faces of the franchise, hold, holding a large amount of the responsibility for a team to win a championship, they are only one play away From those dreams and those aspirations for that team to compete or those teams to reach the expectations and goals that they have, they are one play away from all of that being dashed. And we saw that on Monday night uh, in New York, less than five minutes into the game, four plays, that's it that's it, and people are speaking now about well, 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 what, what what can happen now with the New York Jets, what, what, what can Zach Wilson, do? that doesn't matter it doesn't matter, with the expectations that the Jets have, this season is over well, that's okay because with that defense and that running game and the kicking game, and uh, you know they can still make the playoffs, that wasn't the expectations for the New York Jets man, that wasn't the expectations, you can't, you can't talk about, uh, you know, hey guess what, tonight for, uh, you know, tonight coming over? If you're a if you're a, a single man around my generation, around my age, guess what, man? Um, you know, Halle Berry or Beyonce is going to come knocking at your door. They're going to be scantily clad. And they're going to be w- waiting to wanted to uh, they're going to be wanting to get it on. If you're going to be telling me that, if you tell me today on a Wednesday, that guess what? This weekend, Wendell, as you're going to be sitting here after the uh, college football games are over. That's The person who's going to come knocking on your door is going to be the Halle Berry, a boomerang, Beyonce, that they're going to come knocking on your door. They're going to have These Arms of Mine by Otis Redding and Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye and some condoms and say, let's do this. Let's get it on. You you can't you can't fill me with that excitement and then have me knock on the door. And it's not one of them. It's someone who might be, uh, I don't know, a couple of levels below. That ain't gonna do me any good. That's not going to assage my 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 uh happiness or assuage my expectations of, of of this being fantastic. If instead of Halle Berry, instead of Layla Roshan, instead of Monica Bellucci, instead of Selma Hayek, instead of someone of that caliber to come over on Saturday night and let's get it on and, and drop the drawers. I mean, you're gonna send me someone who's about, I don't know, maybe three times less? Come on, man. She might not be ugly, she might not be whoopy, but damn sure she ain't Halle. Damn sure she ain't Jada Fire. Damn sure she ain't one of those which you've been pumping in my head for as many for for as many um, uh, amount of time. I mean, it's the same thing with the New York Jets. If you're talking about the New York Jets have acquired Aaron Rodgers, oh my goodness, the New York Jets are going to be competing for the Super Bowl. Oh my goodness, something that hasn't happened since Joe Willie Namath back in 1968 where they shocked the world. I guarantee that the New York Jets are going to beat the then 13-1 Baltimore Colts regarded as the greatest NFL team in NFL history. That we're going to go to Miami in front of everybody who thinks that we're point five underdogs that are gonna get rolled, that are gonna get smoked, that are gonna get destroyed, that we're gonna pull off by at that time one of the greatest upsets of the 20th century and beat the Baltimore Colts. That was gonna be our heyday. That was gonna be our that was gonna be our pinnacle of success as a franchise for the New York Jets. And that happened what over fifty years ago? So after fifty years of frustration, after fifty years of heartache, after fifty years of un <clears throat> untapped potential or, 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 or low expectations or not meeting expectations, a failure of irrelevance. After generations and generations of hardcore Jets fans who had to put up with the ineptitude, have put up with the failure, have put up with the heartbreak, have put up with the not meeting expectations that now we have an opportunity to win a championship because of the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers and Doug it, our dreams go up in flames less than 5 minutes into the first game yeah that's got to hurt man yeah that's got to suck man i, 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 I Jets fans I, i'm i'm uh, i'm sorry man i don't even know what to tell you man i don't even know what to tell you with some nonsense like that so i think the New York Jets when you think about it they're really like the gold members after after this incident or after what happened with Aaron Rodgers, I, I think that you can really say the Jets are like the gold members of a club that, I don't know, let's throw some teams in there, like the the, the New York Knicks, Minnesota Vikings, Atlanta Falcons, Sacramento Kings, Detroit Lions, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, the, what are they now, Oakland, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Raiders, the Phoenix Suns, Toronto Maple Leafs, my Washington Wizards and Commanders, the Portland Trail Blazers, they're now part of that group. Where there's sport franchises that've been, I don't know what you want to call it, what cursed, the worst luck. When you speak about the last 60 years of um NFL, of uh, sports franchises, when we're speaking about the NHL, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, I mean the the New York Jets, they're right there. Generations and generations of fans who don't know what it means to have to be relevant, to be successful. You might have had, what, close to a smidgen when you had Bill Parcells. They made it to the AFC Championship game a little while ago. But other than that, I mean, what, what, what's been there for the, uh, for the New York Jets? And, and believe me, I kind of know this because, remember, I'm a fan of the Washington Commanders. So I've been there in the 80s I lived there in the 80s My foundation for sports loving was there in the 80s With the Washington Commanders Then Redskins But ever since Daniel Snyder took over the team 30 years ago There's people who are born in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area who have no idea what it means to have a successful football team, to have a competent football team, to have a relevant football team, to have a football team that they can be proud of, a football team where if they move out of the DMV and they move somewhere else, they're still trying to rep the uh, Washington football team, and they go into a bar many times, as I've done. Since my journey's away from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and I go into a Buffalo Wild Wings, or I go into another sports bar, and I'm watching the uh, Washington team play, whether it be on Monday Night Football or the Game of the Week, and they get embarrassed, and they're getting laughed at, and they're getting chumped, and they're getting all these type of things. I know the embarrassment. I felt the embarrassment. I know being the minority of a bar where everybody is laughing. Everybody is laughing at this, team, at this team called the Washington football team. And I still have to be there and represent. So New York Jets fans, I know what you're talking about. I know where you're going. I know what you've experienced. So look, man, again, when you spoke about those teams along with the Jets and Knicks and Suns and Raiders and Wizards and Trailblazers and Bengals and Kings and Falcons, it's just a situation where, man, what, what's going on here? Now, the, the teams that have recently, recently been le- uh, been released from that uh, list that have been paroled, that have served their time, the Milwaukee Bucks, Chicago Cubs, the Boston Red Sox, congratulations. But, yeah, with the uh, New York Jets, hey, I'm, I'm a Washington Commanders fan. I'm still with you. We might have won more Super Bowl. We might have been the team of the 80s along with the, um, along with the New York Giants and the San Francisco 49ers and such. But, uh, yeah, man, I, still, I feel you. I'm hurting for you. In fact, maybe with this list, you can put in the Dallas Cowboys. Since 1995, what have they done? So there's been a generation of uh, Dallas Cowboy football fans who don't know anything about winning, who don't know anything about meeting expectations. So, yeah, man, that group that the New York Jets are in right now, it's tough, man. And when you speak about curses, why they've been there, how they've been there, it's like, what, you got the curse of the Billy Goat, you got the Steve Bartman curse, You got the curse of the Bambino. You got the Madden curse. You got the Sports Illustrated curse. I don't know. What would be the curses for those teams that I just mentioned? Well, for the New York Knicks, what would it be? The curse of Jim Dolan? For the Commanders, we all know what that would be. The curse of Daniel Snyder. Thank God that curse has been exercised. Get on out. Get out. The Detroit Lion, the curse of the Ford family. A lot of times, when we wanna, people want to be sitting there talking about, well, the curse is astrological signs and the Bambino and all this kind of stuff. No, it's just been the curse of having really bad ownership who don't know what the fuck they're doing. That's that's, <laughs> that's mainly been the curses. So, and the Detroit Lion. What 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 franchise can make make two Hall of Fame players, one of the best players of their generation, and one player who might go down as one of the greatest football players of all time? What? What franchise can make a player like that say, you know what, even though I still got a lot left in the tank, or I still got two or three years left in the tank of being one of the elite or top football players in the game, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. This organization, this this franchise has just sucked the life out of me, the, the joy out of me. When you speak about the, the, the uh, Detroit Lions, what they did with uh, Barry Sanders, well, it's like, you know, what they've done, what they did with Calvin Johnson. It's like, you know what? I, I'm done. I can't. I just can't. The Detroit Lions, curse of the Ford family right there. Cincinnati Bengals, the curse of Mike Brown. I mean, you know, those are the things. The blessing and then the curse of Al Davis, what he was for the Raiders organizations. You can even, like, like I mentioned before, you could even say the the Raiders organization, I or want the Cowboys organization, curse of Jerry Jones, owner, general manager. How, how many championships? Has he won since he's taken on those duties? How many playoff games has they have the Cowboys won since he's taken on those duties? Oh, those curses, man. Those curses, those curses, those curses. 2023 season. Whew, for the New York Jets, this was the first time, man, that they were going to be able to really, truly have the aspirations and the expectations of competing for a Super Bowl in over 40 years. And it lasted again, only four plays, in less than five min- minutes. With Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles, ending the season. So, uh, you know, w- the situation where has Aaron Rodgers played his last game? What's going to be happening? If you're a New York Jets fan, I don't even if, don't even go down that road, man. Let's not even think about that just yet, okay? Let's not even think about can Aaron Rodgers come, come back? What we go- what are we going to do about the here and now? what can we do to salvage the season i mean how do we start making the transition from saying okay we're not going to win the super bowl but let's let's see what we can do about salvaging something right i mean you know if i if if if, uh, if, if jada fire on saturday night ain't going to be coming over to uh, get me going if lisa ann ain't going to come knocking on my door and saying, uh, Wendell, let me uh, go ahead and, and give you some positions that I was in in Nayland Palin. If I'm not going to be able to do that, then uh, what female is going to come knocking at my door? <laughs> That's going to make me say, okay, she's doable. Even though the drought that I'm in right now, as long as she's breathing and willing, I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, <laughs> you know, bakers can't be choosers. But um, yeah, so what the New York Jets fans Hey, man, what, what are we going to do about this? Where are you going to go about this? Um, because there's really nothing that you can do. And the fact that on August 1st, Rogers signed a two-year, $75 million deal with the Jets. In fact, that, uh, it's a three-year deal in total worth $112.5 million. The final year is a bonus with no, uh, guaranteed money. The fact that, uh, you know, he's going to be on your books for, 2023 this season and next season so the two-year window that the Jets had in terms of seeing what we could do to win a championship with Aaron Rodgers right now is up in the air so even with a season-ending injury nothing has changed with Rodgers contract for this season and the next and what Aaron is 39 right now he'll turn 40 in December so again he'll be under contracts for the Jets in 2024 unless he decides to retire and from the early reports Rodgers is going to try to uh come back and do some things for Robert Sala the coach of the New York Jets has said that he would be shocked and surprised if indeed Aaron Rodgers retired so currently the number two quarterback for the Jets is Tim Boyle who was on the team's practice squad he didn't suit up for a Monday night but um uh, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, man, for the options with the New York Jets? How are we going to help out Jets fans? Jets fans, you tell me what we're going to do. You tell me what your expectations are. You tell me what your aspirations are. Do you even care? Do you care if the Jets go 5-12 and 12 or 12-5, and five, knowing that in all likelihood, in all likelihood, we don't know yet. We don't know yet, because remember what I was speaking about, because of the game itself, because of the nature of, Of the game of football itself. There's really not too many things written in stone, good or bad. So if you're glass half empty, glass half full, wherever you stand with the New York Jets, if it looks like the season, what the definition for you would be coming off the rails? Because for me, coming off the rails, you lose a bunch of games, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? If you ain't gonna win the Super Bowl, If you're not going to win the Super Bowl, if I'm the New York Jets, I would rather go 1-16 and give myself a chance to draft Caleb Williams, especially if there's going to be any questions about Aaron Rodgers coming back. And if Aaron Rodgers does come back, how many years of productive, high-quality football is he going to give you from that position If I'm the New York Jets, I mean, you know, it'd be great. Moral victory. Yeah, we go 12-5. and I mean, what, you're going to go 12-5, and 11-6, and and lose in the first round in the playoffs? Are you going to be stuck between not good enough to win a Super Bowl but not bad enough to uh, rebuild on the fly? How good, how confident are you in with your uh, general managing, um, with your general manager and your scouts and such that you can rebuild on the fly, that you can improve even if you don't bottom out? Football is not like basketball, where you can tank and you know the, the, the trust the process and that type of stuff. The the things that the Philadelphia seventy sixers went through. Um, the football was not like that. Um, you know, it's much more advantageous to tank in the NBA and get yourself a generational great player and have that work out for you more than tanking in the NFL and try to get that franchise quarterback. Just take a look at Andrew Luck. Just take a look at other. Quarterbacks who were supposed to change the game, were supposed to be that guy that was going to elevate the franchise, but never really got the opportunity, or really um, never brought them brought them to that level on a consistent basis. So if you're If you're in the New York Jets, do you just go with Zach Wilson and say, Hey, look, man, we drafted this guy number two. We gave him only one year. The first year he didn't show us anything, but they're, you know, glass half full type of uh, situation where, Okay, he's matured. Okay, he's in his second year. Okay, he was under the tutelage. He was was the student of Aaron Rodgers being the teacher. So some of that stuff through osmosis. Uh, rubbed off on him and this that and the other so I mean maybe this will give us a better understanding of of what we have in Zach Wilson and if you really 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 want to dig and speak about well you know are we really going to evaluate a quarterback on how well he can do as an NFL quarterback based on only two seasons so how long do you stick with Zach Wilson even after this season how long do you go with Zach Wilson now in terms of the aspirations that you have this is not a team in the New York Jets this is a team in the New York Jets that was built to win a Super Bowl with the missing piece being a quarterback the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. So this is, this is not a situation where the New York Jets getting Aaron Rodgers were going to be starting a journey, starting a path in two or three years to be in a position to win a Super Bowl. No, this was the team that was built for the now to win a championship. Now, since the main guy is no longer playing this season, and now you stick with a guy or you put in a guy... His backup in Zach Wilson, who you drafted number two in the NFL draft, everybody coming out, or a lot of people coming out in terms of uh, draft uh, draft know it alls. We're speaking about he has Patrick Mahomes type abilities in some areas. So, how much time, how much of a leash, how much do we give Zach Wilson this season? You're going to have to sign a number two quarterback, regardless. You can't go into uh, the you can't go the rest of the season with only two. Healthy quarterback. So, is a situation where the options moving forward with the Jets, do you go out? And do you acquire an, an, an unsigned quarterback like Matt Ryan or or Carson Wentz or Joe Flacco, Colt McCoy, Blake Bortles, Nick uh, Folds? Do you? Trade for a Jameis Winston with the um, with the New Orleans Saints? Do you go after a Davis Mills, young quarterback from um, Stanford who played last season with the uh, Houston Texans, who's now uh, backing up C.J. Stroud? Do you go after and trade for an Andy Dalton, a Teddy Bridgewater, a Jacoby Brissett, a Mitchell Trubisky, maybe Marcus Mariota? do, do you go ahead and do that? I know. Let's not. I'm not going even. I'm not going to even speak about. I'll, I'll, let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room. The most ridiculous, insane, inane or ridiculous um, thought process regarding the Jets going ahead and getting a quarterback to uh, replace Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady ain't coming out of retirement. Stop, stop, come on man. I mean you know are you trying to, if, if there, are you trying to be a comedy act? Are you trying to uh, apply for are you trying to uh, get on amateur night on Wednesdays at Showtime on the Apollo? Are you are you trying out this for the comedy clubs? Would you go out there and say, hey, welcome to do, 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 joke number one. New York Jets. I got an idea of how they can salvage their season. Go out and sign Tom Brady. Laugh track. I mean, nah, man. It's, it's not gonna... It's, he's 46 years old. He hadn't played football since the last game almost nine months ago. Stop, stop, stop. He's 46 years old. Anybody who's in their 40s know he's 46 years old. And I don't care how many protein smoothies. I don't care how much stretching. I don't care how many hours of sleep. I don't care where he's sleeping. And I don't care what his stress levels are. I don't care how much he, I don't, I don't care. 46 years old and he wasn't lighting the world on fire for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last season. And you remember that last season being a disaster and that last season kind of, kind of nailing it down for Tom Brady in terms of, yeah, this was it. I mean, he didn't fall completely off the cliff, but he was hanging by a thread so yeah he's not in any type of football shape he hasn't trained I don't think to play in the NFL this season and oh yeah another reason he's now the minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders so if he wanted to he could sell a stake with the Raiders but that seems unlikely just months after he purchased it now all of a sudden he's going to uh, put those stocks in escrow and go ahead and play for the Jets if I'm the Davis family I'm like if you're gonna be playing for anybody if that's the case play for us because Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't been the most Iron Man of quarterbacks to begin with, so if you got the itch that you want to play football again, you want to play for somebody, play for the team that eventually you're going to have ownership stake in. So that's that's just ridiculous. Look, the bottom line is this: the New York Jets are not going to win the Super Bowl. The New York Jets are not going to be in line to win a Super Bowl now that Aaron Rodgers is done for the season. That's just a button. It hurts. It sucks. It stinks. But, um, you know, that, that's the line. that That's what you have to go on. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, play for participation trophies, play for improvement. I don't know where you go. I, I just, I, the, the, the Jets, I don't know. Just now in the future, the near future, next season future, I don't know where you go. I don't know how you look at this season. I, I, I don't know if you do the um, well, let's let's see what we can do with Zach Wilson. Um, I don't know. It sucks, but I'm going to enjoy watching the NFL season. This is going to be uh, it's just going to be uh, disappointing now that um, one of the uh, best players in the game, in Aaron Rodgers, will uh, not be participating. All right, let me go ahead and um, take a boogie break. Hey, man, the first week of the NFL season is now upon us. Has now happened. And I compare the NFL season sort of like a book, sort of like a novel. So when we come back, let's go ahead and let's discuss some things that happened in chapter one, shall we? Let's do that. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. Okay, now take a trip inside
0: my mind like you was off to Venice. It's me and V-I-G-L-M-B-O cooking like chemists. Take them back to way back when like Dennis the I made him want to come up like a young apprentice Smoking weed and getting higher than a flight attendant Hip-hop it, gold Jesus on my penis. So Gotta pull it out for everyone that's in the tennis. Okay, back in the day as the college park tenant Still can't believe I didn't get a shorty pregnant Man, that's the definition of a life sentence A whole lot of beef, no bread, no lettuce Cause I couldn't keep it in my briefs Man, that's pathetic Fuck all that back and forth, this ain't a game of tennis I be in my motherfucking chamber like the Senate, Scared to go outside, but I know I can't prevent it I'm forever alone in my mind yeah. See, I'm a self-diagnosed type of Either at the crib or on the tour buses where you find me at, yeah I know that I'm living like I got it, okay, yeah But I swear that I'm not that derodic over here Over here. Uh, over here,
1: uh, over here, uh, over here uh, Over here, over here, World in Sports I'm your host, Wendell Wallace So glad that you could be with us Yeah, still waiting from that knock on the door <laughs> The see Monica Bellucci Come walking in and saying, "Wendell, hello." <laughs> as I mentioned before, man, the drought has been so long. As long as you're not d- disease infected and um, and willing, and a female, I mean, you know, hey, anything, anything's possible. Because you know, I'm far from being, um, you know, I'm far from being a Hollywood hunk myself. So uh, yeah, you know, bakers can't be choosers. You know, I might have champagne taste. But unfortunately, I have a Pepsi-Cola face. No um, uh, no fault of my mom or my dad. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Okay, getting back now. Week one. Um, week one of the NFL. First week of the season. I guess you could best describe it on Sunday as sloppy, messy, clunky, error filled Boy, there were a lot of f- flags out there. Now, the Miami-Los Angeles Charger game, that was, that was really good. But um, as I mentioned before, the first four weeks, six weeks of the season, I don't care who you are. I don't care which team you're rooting for. Watch it and just have some fun. Just enjoy the entertainment. Just enjoy the fact that football is now back with us. That's all. Because, look, what what are we going to ascertain? What are we going to take from the uh, first week of the season? Right? The Dallas, Miami, San Francisco, they look great. Pittsburgh, Arizona, New York Giants, Chicago, they look terrible. Minnesota, Denver, Kansas City were disappointing and underwhelming. But I, I, I say this in, in this regard, and I mentioned this before, the 2023 NFL season, like every other season, before and after, it's like reading a book. It's like a, it's like reading a novel, watching a play, seeing a movie, you know, entertainment. This The name of this book is called The Season of 2023, right? The storylines will have the elements of what is nece- necessary to tell a fantastic, entertaining, compelling story, right? I mean it's going to have plots, characters, settings, themes, the protagonists, anti antagonists, rising and falling action, climax confliction and finally a resolution right all of those things that we that we like to see in our movies that we like to see in our books that we like to see in our plays that we like to see as far as entertainment of the mind and the brain and the eyes concerned that's what the NFL season is right so this NFL season the book of the NFL the 2023 NFL season buy it now is on Amazon or you can watch every sunday monday and thursday It's going to consist of 18 chapters, each one featuring the elements of building a great story. Each chapter, each football week consisting of Thursday, Sunday, and Monday is going to consist of having all of those elements to create a creation of a successful story. The ones that I just mentioned, right? It's going to have plot. It's going to have characters. It's going to have settings. It's going to be an NFL stadium. It's going to have themes. Every week there's going to be a theme. Can this team rebound? Can this team continue its winning season? Can this players show out, right? What's, what, what's going to be the um, theme for the Kansas City Football team coming into a next? Uh, coming into the next game. What's going to be happening? Can can the uh, receivers for Kansas City catch a pass? Can Mahomes rebound? Can Travis Kelsey make a difference? Um, the the signing of the defensive lineman now for a one-year contract, whose name escapes me for just a quick second. Is he going to be able to make a difference? Right for each for each team, whether they won or whether they lost the week before, whether they. Played great, or whether they play horrible, each week is going to have a theme, each week is going to have a plot, each week is going to have characters, it's going to have a protagonist, it's going to have someone, it's going to have a star of the show that you're going to be focusing on to see what they can do. And in those 60 minutes, those four quarters of watching NFL football, it's going to have action, it's going to have conflict, it's going to have climax, and then finally each and every single game is going to have that resolution. All baked into that NFL season is going to make for one hell of an NFL season. Which is why the NFL season, you know, the NFL is just the greatest of the greats. Every, every sports league, everything in terms of life has those elements, has a theme, has a plot, has a setting, has characters, all those type of things. But no stories can be told with the same ferocity, with the same level of interest and intensity that the NFL does. The NBA and Major League Baseball. And um, <clears throat> MLS and such. Too many games. Way too many games man. We want to see the conflict. We want to see the resolution. We want to see the who done it. We want to see who shot JR. Not after 82 games. Not after 162 games. We can get that after only 18 games. And then we can move on. Which makes the NFL so intriguing. Which makes the NFL the king of here in North America, or at least in this country, concerning why the game is so popular. So yeah, but for for each week, first four chapters of this book or season, we're introducing the characters, the plotting, the set, the building, the foundation to move on to the next stage of the story, right? So after reading and watching the first chapter of the season, what are the conclusions that you're going to draw, right? After reading week one, right? The prelude, we spoke about, oh my goodness, the Detroit Lions are going to be one of the surprise teams. The New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers are going to be one of the teams that can win a Super Bowl and end the misery of Jets fans of ineptitude over the past five decades. Can Kansas City repeat as NFL champions the building of of, of the, the legacy, of the legend, of Patrick Mahomes? Every team that, you know, you can bring up will have some type of uh, reason to continue. That's going to be in the preludes. So now we start the season. Now we just finish week one. And what, or chapter one, now what are we going to be talking about? Why do I keep snapping my fingers? Because I need your attention. Pay attention. Professor Wallace is the teaching. So after reading and watching the first chapter of the season, what are the conclusions that you're going to draw, right? Detroit Lions are for real. They're either going to be playing the uh, They're either going to be playing the Dallas Cowboys or the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game in late January, right? Because we, we, we want to we want to have these strong opinions. We wanna have we wanna be right, we wanna we wanna be right, right away. We wanna be the first ones that are gonna get it right. So based on what I saw on Thursday, based on what I saw on Sunday, based on what I saw on Monday, goodness gracious, after only one week, I can ascertain that the Miami Dolphins and Baltimore Ravens will be playing in the AFC Championship game based on how they performed on Sunday, be- based on what they did on Thursday, that the budding dynasty of Kansas City is basically starting to crumble and be over, and Kansas City is in real trouble after the after uh, their defeat on um, Thursday night to open the NFL season. Oh my goodness. Patrick Mahomes looked almost human. Now he's easy to be made looking human when you have receivers who can't catch the ball. But oh, you see all that? They lost the receivers from last year. They traded um they traded um um you know the receiver who's now in Miami, my goodness gracious, whose name I can't uh come up with right now, but I will. Tyreek Hill. Wow. Wow, so Tyreek Hill Yes, somebody traded Tyreek Hill And you know now they're going to miss him And the offensive line for uh, Kansas City was abysmal And Travis Kelsey Is he going to be the one guy That's going to be able to turn that uh, offense around So those are the things that we're speaking about The contract signing of Joe Burrow Based on what we saw against Cleveland Was a mistake The Bills should maybe start thinking about Benching Josh Allen Justin Fields is turning out to be a bust At quarterback And Matt Eberflus or Brandon Staley is going to be the first coach fired this NFL season. Brock Purdy is going to be this generation's Tom Brady in terms of the relevant, being a guy who's going to be leading the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl this season, right? Those are some of the things that we can put together. Those are some of the things that we can talk about. Those are some of the quote-unquote hot takes that we can have after one week. Here's the deal. Everything that I said, and there's so many other plots. There's so many other themes. There's so many other um, things in the NFL, depending upon what your team is all about. For my team, the Washington Commanders, the start of the Sam Howe era, right? The start of the Eric Bieniemy me as offensive coordinator uh, 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 era, right? How is that going to be working now? The, 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 um, after one game against the worst team in the league, talent-wise, the uh, Arizona Cardinals, the Washington Commanders, My Washington Commanders defensive line might rival the San Francisco 49ers as one of the best in the league. Based on what we saw on um, Sunday, those are some of the things that we can dig up and bring to the table in terms of what we can talk about only after one week. Is it going to be foolish to take these and say that they're for real, that they're going to be... That they're going to be a 100% guarantee. Of course, it's going to be foolish. But I tell you, some of the things that I just brought up and some of the things that you're speaking about to your friends concerning the NFL season, whether it's um, the Cleveland Browns and how they played in that defense and, you know, and, and, and then Pittsburgh Steelers, how bad they looked against the uh, 49ers. All of these things that we're going to be speaking about and bringing to existence after week one. Which then we have to stop and say to ourselves, this is a long season. There's a lot of other things that can go down. And I think it would be foolish for us to sit there and talk about, well, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Let me tell you something. Some of these things are going to happen. Right? When you meet a female... And you fall in love with that female or you meet that female and you go up and you first talk to her and you just introduce yourself and you're trying to see if this is going to be the gal or if this is going to be the guy that you're going to be have, have some interest in that we can build something on. You know, you do that with enough folks. If you do that with enough women and you start early, early enough, one of them, one of those people are going to be turning out to be your soulmate, hopefully. You are eventually going to marry this person, but it starts with that first That first meeting, that first encounter, that first thought of saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to introduce myself to this female who I've never seen before, who I don't know anything about because eventually this could be the one working down the road. You don't start off with that thought and feeling, but when you talk to that person and it progresses, you find out that, hey, that person starting the first time I went up and spoke to her and introduced myself, this one turned out to be The one this guy this gal turned out to be the one bringing it now over to the NFL when I speak about the Detroit Lions are for real when I speak about the Dallas Cowboys or the San Francisco 49ers or the Miami Dolphins or the Baltimore Ravens being for real one of those teams that I just mentioned being for real are actually going to be for real all five could be for real. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the, the Kansas City football team, the Buffalo Bills, one of these teams who we had high expectations for are not going to be able to meet those expectations. In fact, they're going to fall short of those expectations, so if you come out based on one game in Week One and you say, "Ah, Pittsburgh sucks. Ah, Josh Allen can't do it. He's he's, he's regressing. Ah, Joe Burrow signed that contract. what a big mistake that was. Ah, Justin Fields. You know what? What a bust as a quarterback drafted too high. This, that, and the other. Despite the fact that he's starting what the third year, you're going to make that you're going to make that assumption already. It could be true. That's the great thing about the NFL, baby. We need to watch. We need to watch. We need to watch. Detroit, they they look pretty good. Kansas City, they look pretty bad. San Francisco, they look pretty good. Pittsburgh, they look pretty bad. How long? Which one is going to be right? Which one is going to uh, turn out to uh, be correct? We've got to watch. And that's what makes the NFL season so doggone fantastic. I, I didn't, I watched as a fan. If you're looking for me to start making these proclamations, like, you know, we, we, we can all see that Dallas defense against the Giants on Sunday night was awesome. It was fantastic. It was glorious. It was, it was great. Hey, guess what? This isn't something that should be a surprise. Dallas defense was great last uh, season. The offense did just enough. Going away from week one, I don't know what to make of Dak Prescott. Should we make anything of Dak Prescott? But his performance on Sunday, he could have gone out and thrown for five touchdowns, or he could have gone out and thrown for five interceptions, and anything else in between. I'm not going to have any type of one-way feel about Dak Prescott, how he's going to do this season after one week, after the first week, after the first chapter read in the NFL. I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to do that. So if you're looking for me to sit there and start talking about let me break down what happened with Seattle or let me break down and talk about what happened with Indianapolis and or, and, and you know, the rookie quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud and, and Bryce Young and start make some type of, you know, long term proclamations about what they're gonna be as quarterbacks. No. <laughs> no, no. I watched Anthony Richardson. Yeah, he's all right. I watched C.J. Stroud, okay. I watched Bryce Young throw two interceptions that almost look identical. In fact, they were almost identical. All right. I mean, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. It means they're early into their NFL careers. It's one game, and we'll see what happens next. We'll see if they improve. We'll see if they'll get better. We'll see if they've learned. We'll see if they regress. We'll see if they're the same. I don't know. What does it mean for them long term? Do you think that they made the right choice? You're going to ask me that after one game? Carolina Panthers fans, you're going to ask me, did the, um, did the team make the right choice after one game? Or you're going to sit there and say, see, I told you, too small, too short, this, that, and the other. You're going to do all that after one game? Anthony Richardson, see, I told you, how can you complete 53% of your passes in college and expect to do anything in the NFL? You're going to do that after one game? Now, you may be right. You may be right down the road. It may be proven that you are right. But, man, after one game, relax. Read the book. We're only in chapter one. We're only starting this journey. The final, exactly, if our predictions are right, right? When you watch, a, when you watch a film, when you watch a movie, I mean, you can kind of predict what's going to be happening. You can kind of, when when you read or you watch or you go to a play of a whodunit, right, a murder mystery, right? I mean, you can sit there within the first five minutes and say, hmm, the butler, okay, and I'm not talking about Jimmy. Hmm. you could do all those type of things but don't you want to wait to make sure you could be right it could be the butler who did it but let's just wait and see until the the, the movie's over until the book has been read to figure out what the resolution was so as NFL football for me man I'm just going to be first couple of weeks I'm going to sit I'm going to I'm going to watch I'm going to enjoy I'm going to be observant. And then when the fog clears and we move on in the book, when we move on in the season, I will be able to give you more of a, uh, you know, more of a quote-unquote hot take in terms of who's going to be winning Super Bowls, who's going to be making the playoffs, which team is good, which team is bad, blah, blah, blah. I'll do all that stuff down the road. But right now, my advice to you would be just enjoy. Even if you're a Jets fan, enjoy. Hey, before I go to a boogie break, another NFL owner makes another ignorant racist comment according to a racial discrimination lawsuit uh, filed against the league on Tuesday by reporter Jim Trotter very good reporter Uh, Buffalo Bills owner Terry uh, Pigula, P-E-G-U-L-A reportedly made a racist comment about black players in the NFL Trotter alleges in the lawsuit that in 2020 a fellow NFL media reporter recalled a conversation he had with uh, Pigula who was speaking to the reporter about the NFL social, social justice initiatives and Black Lives Matter. The reporter told Trotter and approximately 40 other NFL media co-workers during a Zoom call that, uh, that uh, the owner said, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. Wow, well, okay. Okay, the lawsuit <laughs> law states that Trotter... Pressed NFL executives at the NFL media to investigate uh, the comments, which were highly offensive and racist. Yeah. But that was that, but that he was repeatedly brushed off and told that the league office is investigating it, which really meant to say, "Look, we really don't care. This is not anything. These comments weren't offensive or racist enough to have any negative impact on the league. Now you have to kind of Jim has to kind of realize this. Mr. Trotter has to realize this. So welcome back, Trotter, when I say this. Hey, man, you know, we're, we're speaking about the NFL. We're speaking about a, a league where, you know, nothing nothing will stick. This NFL owner could say this stuff, and as far as, um, you know, any type of negative impact it's going to have on this franchise, it's going to be none. Because the comment that he made that if black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. I've heard that bullshit from uh, ignorant white folks and other folks uh, speaking about that stuff for, I don't know, about four or five decades now. The good old when black folks start, you know, pressing and wanting and pushing for more equality and more respect and more say in the game of how this country is going to be running equal inequality for all. That um, when we bring up instances of racism, when we bring up instances of discrimination, that the privilege, a.k.a. most, some, all, not all, that, that, that white folks might do the old, well, if you don't like it here, you can just leave. If you don't like being beat up and murdered by the police just because, then you can go ahead and leave. If you don't like being discriminated against or being... Uh, you know that type of thing you can get up and leave you know it's almost like I've always said this with folks who always tell me that stupid ass shit you know oh you can just get up and leave yeah, yeah try go into a third world country and see how you like it you guys out here who are complaining uh, about racism in this country who are complaining about black people not getting their fair shake oh uh, yeah you know what try going to another country try going to a third world country try going to uh uh, the Sudan, try going to uh, Iraq, try going to Somalia, try going to Darfur, try going and living in those countries and see how see how much you hate the uh, the racist, ignorant, divided states of America. Ha huh, huh, huh? You ingrates. This, that, and the other. For those for those idiots, for those fools, for those ignorant enough to say that stupid ass shit. That's almost like saying that. Um. That's almost saying, you know what? Um. My I I my husband. My husband beats me every day. He doesn't beat me badly, but, you know, when he's drunk, which is basically every day after work, you know, I have to walk on eggshells. And um, if I don't do what he says, and if I don't please him, and if I'm not at his beck and call, I mean, you know, I could suffer a split lip. You know, I could maybe get a black eye. You know, I could maybe be choked. Maybe not to unconsciousness, but I could be choked. So, you know, man, I sure wish that my living arrangements or I sure wish my husband would uh, straighten up or stop being an alcoholic or I wish that my life was better than what it is right now. And then the husband says, oh, yeah, if you don't like that shit, well, guess what? You know, the Joneses down the street, his husband, you know, Natalie, his wife, man, he beats the shit out of her every day. He's choked her. He's put her into the hospital. I mean, he's broken her jaw, he's broken her ribs, he keeps her in the closet, so if you don't like it here, try living down there, how dare you, how dare you accuse me of being abusive, how dare you accuse me of being, uh, uh, uh not being a good husband, hey, you know what, when you step out of line, I put you in line, you know, with the, uh, with the Joneses down the street, he just beats her up for no reason. Look, when I come home, bitch, I want to have fucking food on the table and when I'm I'm done eating, I want my pants to be put down and I want it to be pleasured. Do you understand me? And if those things aren't going to be done, then you deserve the ass whooping. That's just the way it is in my household. That's the way that I run this house. And if you think that it's so bad and so horrible and so terrible living under those conditions, you go down the street where, where, uh, where Natalie's getting her ass whooped every single day for no reason. How dare you? So that that's almost like the same thing where where white folks come up to me and say, well, if you don't like it here, you can just go back to Africa or you can just go to another country. So I've always thought that shit was really stupid and, and ignorant. You know, kind of like, um, um, you know, of course, the, the owner for the Bills has denied making those comments. But, then, you know, in the, law, the lawsuit also mentions Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, who allegedly told Trotter in 2020 that, quote, if black folks feel some kind of way they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire, you know, and, and that type of thing, right? So it's, 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 it's the NFL, They're Teflon, nothing's going to happen to them. As long as the games are being played on Sunday, um, then, you know, basically NFL owners, NFL players, get away with almost anything right you want to go ahead and beat up your wife go ahead and beat up your wife if you want to go ahead and uh, murder a couple of people uh go ahead and do so if you want to obstruct justice and then come back and play linebacker for your team after spending 30 days in jail go ahead and do that if you want to murder dogs um and you want to get back and start playing again go ahead and do so if you want to get in a car drunk, drive into a car and kill somebody and still come back and play for the St. Louis Rams. Go ahead. We'll uh, take you back with open arms. You know, if Henry Ruggs, who's serving 10 years, three to 10 years in prison right now, if he could get out with, uh, if, if he was able to get out after maybe a year and a half, um, I'm quite sure the teams would still be interested. If he put together a tape of him still running a four, three, um, and, and catching passes, there would be teams that would be interested. So, you know, those type of issues along with racism and all that type of stuff. It's, it's just a wide spectrum of things that the NFL, its players, its coaches and everything else, its owners can get away with. And nothing is going to happen to them because in this country, and I'm just as guilty as everybody else. As long as you have the games played on Sunday and Monday and Thursday, then nothing is really going to happen. And again, I include myself as being part of the problem More than being the solution. So, you know, a lot of that is on me. So, there you go. All right, man, I'm going to boogie college football. I've got some Alabama to talk about. And Mel Tucker, Melly Mel, man, how to throw away $80 million. Ain't good. It ain't good. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The absolutely beautiful, beautiful Tammy Terrell, along with uh, Marvin Gaye. I'm quite sure, man, that you could get, you could, if you know, there's just some songs that are iconic. Um, Holland Dozier, Holland's Baby I Need Your Lovin', which was sung by uh, the greatest Levi Stubbs in the Four Tops. Um... But that's what they're known for in terms of, uh, or the, the song, it's anonymous with um, the Four Tops uh, singing that song, their their first record on the uh, Motown label. But, um, you know, g- give me Otis Redding. Give me Al Green. Give me Aretha. Give me Tammy. Give me Donnie Hathaway. Give me um, give me Bobby, not Bobby Womack, that, that clown. G- give, me, uh, give me those guys. Give me Marvin to sing that song and do it in their version. And it's like, it's it's poetry, man. It's it's heavenly. It's heavenly. Absolutely heaven, man, to hear Tammy Terrell and uh, Marvin Gaye sing, Baby, I Need Your Love. And in fact, Marvin sang that song also with Kim Weston uh, that you can find on Spotify or YouTube. And, uh, you know, if you like really good music, you know, as I kept trying to tell, as I te- kept trying to tell my kids, man, in terms of, uh, you know, teaching, teachable moments, you know. It's all about if you you know that the garbage that you're listening to right now. Yeah, these young cats, these young folks, they've got talent. They're great, good songs, great talents, all this kind of stuff, man. But man, you want to sit there and start start getting down with the start getting down on the get down. I mean, you want to get into a space where it's calm, where it's euphoric, man. You don't need no drugs. You don't need no medical inducement. All you need to do, man, is listen to a little. Baby, I need your loving with Tammy Terrell and uh, Marvin Gaye. Tammy Terrell, one of the uh, more tragic figures, along with Flo Ballard um, of the uh, Motown stable, along with Mary Wells, along with some others. So uh, ain't nobody sexier in the Motown label during that time than uh, Tammy Terrell and Marvin, and um, Tammy Terrell, <clears throat> Tammy Terrell, um, Mary Wells, and uh, Flo Ballard, who all tragically passed away way too early especially Tammy and Flo Ballard so you know Mary Wilson gorgeous Dana Ross whore and a diva and um you know um Flo Ballard just sexy as all get out so there you go Wendell's World and Sports now that's your uh teaching for today your history lesson for today Wendell's World and Sports I'm your host Wendell Wallace so glad that you could be with us Alabama hmm at the dynasty, I don't want to say this, but it's a dynasty over now. I know this is good. I know people are going to be saying, well, you're basing this app af- on, on the game against Texas. Texas came in Alabama, won 34 24. Quinn Ewers. I was interested to see exactly how good Texas was. I was interested to see how good Steve Sarkeesian was as a coach. I, I, I really wanted to see if Texas was really back. And when we say back, being back to what? Because Texas hasn't uh, competed for a national championship in almost 20 years. So are we talking about them being championship worthy? Are we speaking about them being on just the outside looking in to make the championship? Are we speaking about them now being one of the elite teams this year? Are we speaking about them being one of the elite programs? Which means that this is not just one year. That this is something that Sarkeesian can maintain in terms of uh, Texas Moving next season into the SCC along with Alabama, along with the Oklahoma, are they going to be one of the teams that year in and year out are going to be on the same level, the same plane as a Georgia or Ohio State or uh, Michigan or one of those type of teams? So, so I don't know exactly the definition of Texas being back, uh, but in terms of Sarkeesian, the recruiting classes that he's putting together and this victory over Alabama. Um, The wide receivers, despite dropping some passes, a couple for touchdowns. um, It was just interesting just to see. It was mesmerizing to see the fact that Texas was the better team. Texas looked like the better team. I mean, this wasn't something with Alabama where it was, well, you know, if if this would have gone this way or this would have gone that way or if he hadn't fumbled here or he hadn't fumbled there or this bad call here or this, that, and the other – or, you know, at the, at the end of the season, you know, Texas and Alabama, if you wanted to play them again, it's going to be vastly different because this, that, and the other. I'm not saying that if they played in January or late December, later on in the season, that the game wouldn't be competitive. I'm quite sure that Alabama is definitely going to improve on what they put out on um, on this past Saturday but i don't think the outcome is going to be any different i don't think that this was a fluke i don't think this was something where alabama wins this wins the series if they played 10 times alabama wins 7 and this is just one of the 3 that texas won i think texas from top to bottom was the better team was the more talented team was the well more well coached team and when you think about it last season the way that alabama had to win that game and the fact that uh, texas played that game for most of it without yours because he because he got injured in that game and still won on a last-second field goal. This shouldn't be really a surprise for anybody. So this is not... When I start speaking about is there trouble in Alabama, is the dynasty, this, that, the other... I, well, I'm not basing it on just this one game. Look, man, there's just like an expiration date for everything. You know, dynasties don't last forever. And you take a look at some of the great dynasties... In the game of college football, you take a look at USC from 1972 to 1979, where they went on an eight year stretch from, uh, they went on an eight year uh, record of 81 13 and 3, and they won three national championships. We all know about the Q's, right? Back in the day, Miami 1983 to 1991, where they amassed a 96 and 13 record during that time, had a shot at a national championship title even in 1992, but lost, got blown out by um, Alabama. Um, at that time, coached by Gene Stallings. You talk about Oklahoma uh, back in the day, 1948 to 58, where they had an 11 season span where they were 107 and 8 and 2 with 11 league championships and three national titles. They went 51 and 2 from 1954 to 1958. Man, the way Georgia's schedule is set up, maybe they'll be coming close to that. But look, the current dynasty right now is Alabama. 2009 to uh, right now, six national titles, six national championships in 12 seasons, the most since World War II. The next closest six championship stretch is Notre Dame's 28 season from 1946 to 1973. They've won eight SEC crowns, speaking about Alabama, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, Devonta Smith, Bryce Young. They've each won a Heisman Trophy. I mean, it's one of the most dominant, it's been one of the most impressive runs in terms of dominance In college football history. But um, everything eventually is going to come to an end. This is not going to continue for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I don't expect to see a 91-year-old Nick Saban still coaching Alabama. in Alabama still having the success that they had when they were producing um, first-round draft picks. Heisman Trophy winners and winning national and SEC championships. So eventually, this is all going to come to an end. And let me tell you something. When when Miami was doing their thing back in the day, and they were ruling college football back in the 80s and 90s, I mean, it was a situation where you knew eventually this was going to end. You knew eventually this was going to fall off. So, I mean, this Alabama football program that we know right now there, there's been chinks in the armor, and it started as early as a couple of seasons ago and moved over to a last season. Last season was a disappointment for Alabama. Now, I know you're going to sit there and talk about, well, what, you won. They, they lost um, they lost two or three games by two or three points and this, that, and the other, and they still finished with a great record and all those type of things. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm not saying that all of a sudden Alabama's going to be mediocre. I'm not saying that all of a sudden now Alabama's going to fall out of the top ten. I'm not saying any of those things. As long as Nick Saban is in charge, and Alabama is going to be right there, as one of the elite college football teams in the country. But dominance—speaking about overall dominance—I'm speaking of Alabama getting the benefit of the doubt that, oh, okay, this talent base or this recruiting class has gone on to the NFL. Uh, but don't worry, they're they're. Um, their replacements will do just the same thing, will be just as dominant uh, right away. I'm not, that Alabama, I don't think that that Alabama team is, is coming back. I don't think that version of Alabama is going to be coming back. I think Alabama is going to be a team now where the expectations during that run where, you know, you lose one game every season or maybe two, all right, but if you lose two games or more, all of a sudden now something's going on. What, what What's happened? And if you lose three games, it's a catastrophe. And when you take a look at the historic recruiting classes that Alabama brought in, those expectations should be nearer at that level. I'm not saying that Alabama needs to win a national championship every year, but when you're consistently getting the best of the best of the best every year and you have a coach in Nick Saban at his level, yeah, you should be competing for championships. Yeah, I don't think the expectations for Alabama during that span were unrealistic. I just think now that maybe, hey, you know, guess what? Alabama losing three games in the season now shouldn't be cause for people to be panicking in the, in the streets. And, and, and that's what I see right now, the dominance. I'm not saying that Alabama under Nick Saban is never going to win a, a championship again. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the, the dominance that he showed uh, over the past, you know, five, six, ten years, that's over. That's over, and it's interesting again that look since for the first time watching this game in, for against Texas for the first time since 2016, did you have the same feeling that I had that Bama didn't have the advantage or answer at quarterback or any of the skill positions? I mean, since 2016, we've seen Jalen Hurts, Tua Tunga Viloa, Mac Jones, and Bryce and uh, Bryce Young go out there and do their thing. So they had a wide discrepancy in terms of. Uh, skill level uh, against their competitors at the quarterback position, the most important position on the football field. I mean, you're speaking of wide receivers during the Saban dynasty, like Calvin Ridley, Henry Shrugs, Devonta Smith, Jamison Williams, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, the running backs of Benaji Harris, Jameer Gibbs, Brian Robinson Jr., Damian Harris, these are all first-round draft picks. These are all making impacts in the NFL. These are guys who, in terms of Alabama, and I didn't even get to the defense because mainly during Nick Saban's run, especially after winning that championship, I believe, in 2011, really shifted the focus from having dominant defenses like he had at Michigan State, like he had at LSU, because of the way the game was being changed and the way that the game was being played and the way offenses were being more um, heightened in terms of putting more points on the board, were being more of an interest or being more of an uh, importance that Nick Saban all of a sudden had to ditch the great macro of the world and the game managers of the world to go ahead and get these dynamic number one pick type first round draft pick type quarterbacks and skill position players at the running back and wide receiver position. So really Saban is you could say flip the script. In terms of how he was dominating, no longer was he winning championships uh, six to three or fourteen to nothing like he was uh, when they were playing LSU in the championship game and or his first um, part of his tenure at the uh, at the University of Alabama as their football coach. Now all of a sudden he's outscoring folks. Now it's not um, head scratching or it's not. Uh, Surprising to see an Alabama defense, give up a multitude of points. Give up a multitude of big plays. Give up a multitude of uh, dynamic plays to the opposition, but that's okay because when you had the skill player that Alabama had, you could match them um, pat for pat and Alabama still had quality players, especially at the cornerback position on defense. So they were still able to have the dynasty that they did, but in turn, the skilled players on offense then superseded the skill players on defense in terms of the importance of the responsibility that they had in winning a football game. Now, I don't know, Jalen Milrow, I mean, he don't look first-round pick to me. Ty Simpson and uh, some, some others, I mean, some others that are on the uh, roster, I don't know. I don't know what quarterback, I don't know what wide receiver, I don't know what running back. I mean, they're all four- and five-star recruits, so it's not like Alabama's just stopped recruiting high-level talent. But so far, it just seems that, uh, including last uh, season, that they didn't have that game-changing skill player that they had. And if you take a look at the NFL draft uh, prospects for 2024, the highest-rated skill position player for Alabama is ranked 195th. That's uh, running back uh, Chase McClellan. So the highest-ranking skill player... For the, uh, for the NFL draft, this, this prospect it, for Alabama is ranked 195 and then 200, which is uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, a wide receiver. So th- there there seems to I don't know, it just seemed to be interesting to see. Now, you take a look at Alabama's scale- schedule, they're at South Florida, then Mississippi, then at Mississippi State, then at Texas A&M, who have their own problems after getting boat raced by um, boat raced by uh, Miami. It's the queue back. Hughes back? I don't know. Mario Cristobal, that was his most significant victory of the season, at least at this time. We'll see what happens at the end of the season, but Alabama has a road game against Texas A&M, then then they play Arkansas, then Tennessee and LSU at home before going to Kentucky, getting an easy game against Chattanooga, and then going to uh, play Auburn in the Iron Bowl. So, we'll see, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Lane Kiffin get a W, against Alabama wouldn't surprise me to see either both Tennessee or one of the other Tennessee and LSU get a victory against uh, Alabama so we could be speaking about long before the college football rankings come out that Alabama is nowhere near in a position to compete for a national championship or even a playoff spot. Is that going to be now the new normal at Alabama? Like every other year or every single year, don't expect Alabama to be the cream of the crop, the fruit of the loom, so to speak, if I could use that cliche. I don't know, but it'll be interesting and it'll be interesting to see how Saban rebounds. we got to remember also, I mean, how many coordinators has Saban lost because of elevation? Because of, uh, you know, they lost Lane Kiffin. They lost uh, Bill O'Brien. They lost some defensive coordinators. Now Kevin Steele is a defensive coordinator. You also can't keep changing coordinators every single year and not expect to have some type of uh, impact on that also. So we'll see what happens. Colorado keeps winning. Wow, man, I tell you, I've been watching this Prime video when he was on, uh, when he um, took the cameras around with him at Jackson State. I just saw the uh, first episode. I'll get my thoughts and opinions about that um, after the series is over. Maybe next week, I don't know. There, there, there's some things about Sanders who, let me tell you something, Coach Prime, I would love to, if I were a recruit, if I were a four or five star guy, especially at the uh, skill positions or even not, man, I would love to play for that guy. <laughs> that guy has charisma coming out of his Every every morsel, every every pore of his body. But um, as an adult, and as a guy who's just skeptical about human beings in general, eh, there's some things that I don't know. I don't know. I'm I, I'm gonna hold off on. I don't know. I'm gonna hold off on some things that I'm thinking about. Dion um, glass half empty wise. Till I see a little bit more. I don't know. I never met the man. I don't know. I don't know. There's just some things though where it's kind of like eh. But they put an ass whooping on um, Nebraska on um, Saturday. Didn't do them any, didn't, Nebraska didn't do themselves any favors by every time they seemed that they were getting some things going on offense that they would fumble or throw an interception or put um, put Colorado in some advantageous positions to score. And after kind of a sloppy first half where it seemed like um, Colorado was getting sacked or Shador Sanders was getting sacked on every other play that they finally rectified and got it done. Um, they got the offense rolling um, there there was just some things where it was just look Colorado was doing their thing. I'm still skeptical. I still think they're coming but where they're going where they should be I think that uh, there is some difference between where I think they are right now and where they where I think they're going to ultimately end up um, compared to what others. Um, you want to make a believer out of me not win, but uh, play UFC tough USC tough not win play them tough be competitive then maybe I'll finally make that turn in terms of I'm a true 100% believer in what Dion Coach Prime is doing this season I believe that he was the right hire I believe that uh, they might they made the right decision but <clears throat> you know beating Nebraska and beating TCU <clears throat> I'm still not there yet in terms of um, Colorado being one of the top 20, 15 teams in the country now Oregon didn't look great in their last game Um, So I'm minimizing that just a little bit in terms of uh, what I'm going to be seeing when they play Oregon 3-0. And I'm quite sure that um, Fox Sports is begging and pleading with every ounce of breath that they have that uh, Oregon and Colorado can be victorious this upcoming weekend because it sets up just a banner of discussion and the banner of attention that's gonna be brought to that game. The first real test that we can really say for Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. But I'm taking a look at Shador Sanders. And I'm thinking to myself, and I text my man Eric G about this on Saturday, and I said to myself and I asked him, Shador Sanders, quarterback, coach's son, Coach Prime's son at Colorado. Is he this season's Joe Burrow? or Trey Lance, or or Anthony Richardson. Let me let me explain. Every year, if you take a look at the NFL drafts over the past 10 years, you take a look at 2014, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, um, 21, and then the NFL draft of 2023. You take a look at those draft picks. There was always a quarterback that was drafted and that was drafted high that was either a reach or coming into the season no one had on their radar as being a high draft pick. Right? Coming into this season, Caleb Williams, the consensus number one pick. Drake May, the quarterback for, um, quarterback for North Carolina was considered a very high pick. Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback for Washington, was considered a first round pick. Quinn Ewers was considered possibly a first round pick. Nobody was speaking about two quarterbacks Uh, Alex Van Dyke of Miami and Shador Sanders of Colorado. If he continues to play at the level that he's playing at or near the level that he's playing at, is Shador Sanders going to be one of these guys who go from not really having any type of prospect of being drafted in the first round to possibly being drafted in the first five, first eight picks, right? Because if you take a look at the NFL drafts, you take a look at 2014, Blake Bortles, out of University of Central Florida, nobody really heard of was drafted number three by Jacksonville that year. Carson Wentz was drafted number two in 2016 by Philadelphia out of out of North Dakota State. Mitchell Trubisky, remember him? The quarterback had one good year at North Carolina. No one he, he was under flew under the radar. Drafted number two by Chicago. Chicago had moved, you know. Uh, uh, Draft picks, move draft picks and such with San Francisco to go ahead and get and get him number two. Baker Mayfield came into the season, um, college football season. No one was predicting that he would go number one. He was drafted number one by Cleveland. Same thing with Josh Allen, who was drafted number seven out of uh, Wyoming, and um, he was drafted by Buffalo. Kyler Murray really only got to be drafted number one by Arizona when the Cardinals hired um, hired the. Uh, uh, not Lane Kiffin hired. Um, He's now the offensive coordinator for um, USC. The name escapes me right now, but uh, the guy who from Texas Tech who ran the um, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Thank you, Wendell. Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, he was the only reason why Kyler Murray was drafted number one because Kingsbury needed a quarterback to uh, fit his style. If you remember, in 2018, the year before, the Cardinals drafted jo- uh, Josh Rosen out of uh, UCLA. But Kyler Murray came out of nowhere to be drafted number one. Daniel Jones was drafted number six by the Giants from Duke. 2020, Joe Burrow came into the season at LSU after a mediocre junior year. People were speaking about him maybe being a fifth or sixth round pick. He played himself not only to winning a Heisman Trophy and leading LSU to a uh, National College Championship and getting Ed Orgeron paid. He was drafted number one by the Cincinnati Bengals. So we went from being off the radar going into the season to being the number one draft pick that year. Trey Lance drafted number three by San Francisco in uh, from North Dakota State. We know about that story in 2021. And then just mainly based on potential and a reach this past season, Anthony Richardson was drafted number four by Indianapolis. So every single year, it almost seems like there's a quarterback who was going to be drafted just based mainly on uh, you know, who who came in out of nowhere, either gonna be drafted on physical attributes and potential, or what they did in one year. And if Shador Sanders continues to play at that level, regardless of wins and losses, I know he holds the ball on to I know he holds the ball way too much, but he's a he's a high IQ guy, throws a brilliant, fantastic football. And if he continues to put up numbers like this or get close to it, not only is he going to be in Heisman Trophy consideration, but I also think he's going to be moving up the charts. Now, of course, it's going to be pro day and it's going to be other things that are also going to determine whether he can slip into a first round draft pick or um, maybe being a top 10 pick, top five pick. But um you know, at the beginning of the season, we did not have anything regarding Chador Sanders being a first round draft pick. The way he's playing right now, I'm going to call it first. This guy's playing his way into being one of those quarterbacks that's going to be drafted very, very high. Quickly, I want to get into the Mel Tucker situation. How do you burn $80 million? How do you have someone give you $80 million, you throw it into the, um, it into the furnace and say, light it up. Mel, Mel, Mel Brenda Tracy, a prominent rape survivor and activist, says Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker made sexual comments and masturbated without consent during a phone call her complaint led to an ongoing Title IX investigation hours after the USA Today published its investigation the university suspended Tucker without pay pending a resolution of the Title IX case and Tucker said the complaint she filed with the university's Title IX office in December remains under investigation and tucker says that hey you know what yeah i did all those type of things that she was talking about but it was consensual so according to their complaint uh you see tracy sat frozen for several minutes while tucker made sexual comments about her and masturbated <sighs> his violations she said reopened 25 year old wounds. From her rape by four men to Oregon State University football players, a junior college player, and a high school recruit. In his statement to the Title IX investigator, Tucker again acknowledged acknowledged masturbating on the call, but said Tracy grossly mischaracterized the episode. According to Tucker, they had consensual phone sex. I don't get it, man. Mel, I don't get it. Mel Tucker is married. I don't know if he has the kids or not, but he's married. And as they, there's a really good article about this on USA Today and USA Today about it. Really broke it down. Excellent job of writing it and reporting on it. But basically, he was saying that, you know, uh, Nell Tucker was in a marriage he didn't want to be in or he was miserable in the marriage. So, you know, he got with this woman and, uh, you know, they started doing this. And he's saying that, you know, this was consensual. And even though they didn't have sex, it was the fact that I guess he said that he was that she was leading him on or some, some nonsense like this. Here's my thing: I don't understand. I don't understand when guys send dick pics. I don't, I don't understand when guys masturbate in front of women. I don't I don't get that. In terms of this, you can do all of those things with a woman, with a woman, if it's a consensual and b if or really, A, if you've had sex with these with the women before. If you have, I'm not showing anybody my dick. I'm not whipping out my penis for no female unless they're going to reciprocate by un, by unloosening their pants and pulling down and see the junk that they got in between their legs. You show me what you got between my legs, between your legs, then I'll show what I got between mine. Other than that, you ain't seeing it. Other than that, I ain't talking about it. And other than that, I'm not performing any acts concerning that to you, around you, not recording it, not sending it to you, not doing it to you in person, not going to describe it, not going to do any of those things. No, no, consensual doing that type of stuff after we have sex and maybe after we have sex a couple of times and maybe after you've done something that's a little bit dirty and if I'm just worried about this then maybe I'm going to see what I can do to maybe record us having sex or maybe get some evidence so if you do try to entrap me if you're at the level of Mel Tucker if if this is truly a situation where I'm being entrapped uh, because of my status and because of the money that I make and this type of the other if if I'm being put in that situation I'm going to have some evidence to say oh no 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 let me tell you she's saying this well I got some evidence saying this so if you're going to do that, especially a man like Mel Tucker, who's making that type of money, if you're going to be doing something like that, man, if you're if, if you're at that stature, man, you better make sure that she signs a non-disclosure agreement or anything like that before y'all start doing anything like that. Because, man, you got to cover your bases. You don't know this woman. Yeah, her story is great and her story is fantastic, but no, uh-uh. And I'm not saying that she's lying. I'm not saying that she's lying at all, but for Tucker to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, she's lying and... This that and the other, and uh, you know, this is just entrapment, and uh, all the stuff that we did was consensual, consensual phone sex. I didn't even heard of that before. Consensual phone sex. I've heard of like, you know, hey baby, what are you wearing? wearing? Mm, man, well, you know what 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 I do for you? What would I do to you if I was over there? And it's like that that really turns you on. Hey. But it, it, it just you know, it, okay, it's it, it just. It's just really irresponsible and and really really stupid for Mel Tucker to do those type of things, man. First of all, get yourself divorced. If I'm again, if I'm making that type of money, that has moved me into a different stratosphere in terms of things that I got to look out for. You know, I got to be more and more more and more paranoid about my surroundings, about the people that I deal with. Because now I'm making $9.5 million. I'm going to be making $90 million. So what? We're speaking about what? $50, $45 million at least take home after taxes? Man, I want to make sure, man, that I uh, do everything humanly possible to make sure that I get all that money if I want to do something like that. So if I'm unhappy with my marriage, either I got to stick it out or I got to get a lawyer to say, hey, man, how can I get away with cheating on my wife and it's not going to come back to bite me? Sign some non-disclosures, get a couple of hookers or something like that. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. But what what Mel Tucker did was idiotic beyond belief. So it's a situation where he can't move forward with this. He can't go on. He can't be the coach like this. Especially when you're speaking about Michigan State, who has already, you know, for nearly two decades, Michigan State failed to act on complaints against Larry Nassar. Remember the disgraced former uh, American gymnastic and, uh, gymnastics uh, what physician accused of sexually assaulting more than 300 female athletes under, you know, medical treatment? So he's in prison right now for 100 years. I know he was attacked in prison. Um, hopefully um, the folks who attacked him and stabbed him finish off the job next time. Don't uh, keep him breathing. But, uh, I mean, this was a situation where, I mean, Michigan State, you can't just say, well, you know... Um, it's a he say, she say, and we're going to go with he say, especially when, when Tucker has been evasive and some of the investigation with some of the investigation coming on. Th- this woman has been straight out by saying, okay, this is what happened to the dead, the dead. These are, you know, these are witnesses. This is what's going on. This, that, and the other. And Tucker's like, well, uh, well, uh, I, uh, well, uh, it's like, come on, man. You ain't got nothing to hide. If you, if you think that she's trying to uh, get you for your money, I mean, there should be some evidence or something that said that this was all consensual. You don't have anything. Everything points to a Mel Mel acting badly. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I tell you, if, I, I think this would be a lot different if Mel Tucker would have lived up to that contract. And this is also a situation where, look, man, Michigan State, they're trying some way, if, if they could, they've made the mistake. Michigan State jumped out to an 8-0 start in 2021. They had a come-from-behind win over um, Michigan, who was ranked number six at the time. That uh, moved Michigan State up to number five in the AP poll, number six in the coaches' poll. Also, Tucker became the first Michigan State head coach to beat Michigan in his first two career meetings. So right there, it's kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. So look, man, ever since they got drilled 56-7 by Ohio State, Michigan State has never been the same with um, with Mel Tucker as their coach in terms of living up to the contract that he signed. So it's almost a situation where it's already buyer's remorse for those who gave you that contract. So if you don't think that they're going to try to find any avenue possible to get rid of you, to fire you with cause, so they won't have to pay you that money, hell yeah, they're going to do so. Now if if if. Mel Tucker had the impact, still had the impact on Michigan State that, say, for instance, Deion Sanders is having with Colorado. I'm quite sure that Michigan State would maybe take a little bit more Mel Tucker uh, centric approach on this in terms of, well, let's see really what's going on. Well, I mean, I'm quite sure they would go to this woman and say, hey, um, how much is it going to cost us for you to shut up and have this go away? How much of us? How much are we going to have to pay to uh, have this go away? If Mel Tucker was having the same impact right now, currently at Michigan State, at, as uh, Dion has at uh, Colorado, or if Michigan State was maintaining the success that um, that they had back in 2021 when they jumped out to that eight and two, eight and zero start and finished the season nine and two, but because Tucker has not had been a disappointment compared to the money. That he's making to coach Michigan State, man, I'm quite sure that uh, for a lot of these folks is like a gift from heaven. This, this, what this dumbass did, in terms of uh, the pickle that he has himself in now. So I, I think the days, and of course there'll be lawsuits and everything. Mel, if you want to take this to court, fine. Who has more money, Michigan State or you? In terms of, in terms of fighting this out, so how do how to lose eighty million dollars? There you go. There you go. This is normally where I say, you know, this is the end of the program. But I want to come back just for a quick second because there's some things that I want to talk about. I want to congratulate um, a superstar who is going to be now the superstar of her sport. And just mention USA Basketball in the World Cup. Can anybody play some defense and rebound? Wendell's World and Sports. Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program, Wendell's World of Sports. Thank you so much. I know I've gone way too long, but I just wanted to get all of this stuff out. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports, so I, I thank you so much for listening, and I thank you so much uh, for your dedication to uh, listen. It means a lot. It means a lot. Remember, like, download, subscribe, do all that good stuff. I heart iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, all that good stuff. I want to give a special dedication. I want to give a shout out to Coco Golf, the 2023 U.S. Open champion. I again want to thank the haters who were uh, throwing dirt on the name of Coco Golf in terms of uh, her, her her chances of being a champion. Um, also, man, we've got a new superstar in tennis. Uh, she's black. She's American. She's fantastic. She's strong. Um, She has good character. She has a great story. Strong um, mother and father. Um, You know, her father's not one of these wacko dads, and his mom, her mom is not one of these overbearing uh, parents. At least from the outside looking in, Coco uh, is mature beyond her age. Um, Unlike Naomi Osaka, who we thought was going to be the woman that was going to be taking the reins from Serena and be that dominant player. But uh, you know, in terms of uh, being number one and everything that came. With that position, it turned out that uh, at that period of time, Naomi Osaka was a mental midget. Um, She's pregnant right now. I don't know if she's going to be coming back. She wants to be coming back, but... With Naomi, Monday, she might want to come back. Tuesday, she'll probably say that she's never coming back. Tuesday afternoon, she'll say that she wants to come back. Tuesday after lunch, she'll say she's retiring again. And then Tuesday night when she goes to bed, she'll say, I don't know, let me go ahead. And she'll do the same thing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. On Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When it comes to Naomi Osaka. So if she comes back, fantastic. If she doesn't, I hope that she enjoys her life. But it looks like Coco golf has more of a solid foundation to handle the success that's going to be coming her way. I hope that she continues to do her thing. So congratulations, special dedication to Coco Golf And also Novak Djokovic, who after beating Daniil, um, oh, I forgot his last name, forgot his last name, the guy who hates New York City and the fans at the US Open, but beat him in straight sets um, after he hung up on uh, Ben Richards and his bullshit and his nonsense of answering the phone and no one's there, so we, sh- whatever. Um, congratulations to Novak, 24 grand slams, and the wonderful gesture after the match was over of the uh, shirt with Kobe and um, uh, the, the Mamba uh, t-shirt. I don't know if uh, his daughter was on there also, Kobe's daughter was on there also, but uh, him and Novak were, were close friends or close associates, so uh, it was a great, great gesture for Novak uh, to do so after winning that championship. I'm going to spend a little bit more time in the future, maybe next podcast, I guess, on USA Basketball. Lost to uh, Canada and finished fourth place in the world, the FIBA World Basketball Game. Lost to uh, Germany um, in the semifinals. Um, moving forward, I don't know. I've said this before about Team USA. It's a situation where the world is caught up to us. It hasn't surpassed us yet, but it's caught up to us in terms of, look, we just can't send any old team out there any old year and expect a roll or even expect to win comfortably. Those days are over. And look, Lithuania, Slovenia, Canada, Germany, France, Australia, these teams have played together, or these guys have been teammates now for a multitude of years, all right? It was the same thing with the Spaniards. When you had Gasol, the Gasol brothers and Ricky Rubio and a couple of others, uh, Rudy Fernandez and such, they played together for a while until that group retired and faded out. And now Spain is starting to rebuild that program again. Sergi Baca was also part of that program. With the USA, look, we have so the, the talent well is so deep of players that could eventually play. And maybe this loss to Canada and Germany Maybe Mike might spark an Anthony Davis. Maybe Mike might spark a Kawhi Leonard. Maybe he might spark a Damian Lillard. Maybe he might spark a Steph Curry. And Maybe he might spark a LeBron James to say that for next um, next year when the uh, Summer Olympics are in Paris that um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to participate and play for a Team USA. Maybe that might be the case. And if that's the case, then our margin for uh, victory uh, has, has increased. But, but the thing is, we, we need to get ourselves a foundation of players that are going to commit uh, for at least two to three years. If that's going to be Jason Tatum, if that's going to be Devin Booker, if that's going to be uh, Anthony Edwards, whoever that's going to be. We, we, we need that type of commitment. Now, look, contracts, injuries, long seasons, they all play into the decision. Being made and look, Djokovic, Djokovic uh, uh, joke uh, the Joker didn't play for his country. B didn't play, uh, you know. So there have been Giannis didn't play for Greece. So it's it's not like you know every single player is on that uh, for for the um, for the uh, Europeans or African squads are like that. But uh, yeah, disappointing, disappointing, disappointing. Finishing fourth and uh, Canada letting Dylan Brooks score thirty nine points. Man, that that hurts. <laughs> for for that team, that's gotta hurt. They let that fucking clown do that. So, there you go. All right, I've spoken long enough. I want to get out of here. You want to get out of here. We want to get out of here. We all want to get out of here. So, want to thank you so much for listening to the program. As always, do me a favor. Will you find somebody who's different than you in race, gender? financial discrepancy, all that good stuff find somebody, learn, listen, shutting up listening, learning, and all that type of good stuff because what this world needs now is much more love, much more devotion, much more togetherness, much more unity and much more understanding of others so if you could do that, please do so and again, public service announcements if you think that slavery was a good thing and in any way benefited black people in any way, shape, or form I just want to let you know from the bottom of my heart, you are a fucking moron and learn something any way shape or form if you think slavery, re- slavery was a good deal get a grip learn something and please join the fucking human race Wendell Wallace Wendell's World of Sports get me out of here being soulful with the music